Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into uh, the gospel that we will hear on Sunday. And do we not have one of those great scenes from the gospel, from the narrative today? That is Jesus calming the storm in the sea. Uh, Jesus manifesting his divinity by exercising authority over nature. Uh, Such a powerful text we have for us today, this 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And um, this evening, I will be flying solo. Debbie is not with me. So if you have any questions, uh, thoughts, comments, observations, please do not hesitate to shoot your email my way. Uh, You can either go to jholljmj at yahoo.com or just go to my website, joeholcraft.org, and you can send your uh, question or whatever you might have by way of comment and observation on your way. This evening, my friends, really does afford us the opportunity to really focus in on the importance of that great virtue of faith and certainly what peace is all about. So with that, let us uh, jump right in. If you have your Bibles out there, Turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him, and a great storm of wind arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with awe. And said to one another, Who then is this, that even wind and sea obey him? Amen. You know, this passage, by the way, my friends, uh, echoes Psalm 89, Psalm 93, Psalm 107, where God alone has the power to subdue the raging seas. Uh, Such a beautiful uh, passage here. This passage in chapter 4 echoes another passage in chapter 1. I want to read to you a few verses from chapter 1 where uh, Christ exercises a demon here. I'll go ahead and start with verse 21. Chapter 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching. With authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. My friends, why do I read that passage? (laughs) Be still. Be silent. One of the great themes to the Gospel of Mark is our Lord's commanding authority. Even over nature and unclean spirits. And now from this authority, these questions that are provoked. Huh? Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? This, what is this in chapter 1? And uh, who then is this in chapter 4? It's a fascinating thing to see how new questions lead to new beginnings. How once we are in the presence of something extraordinary, it leads to a new question. I mean, how often have we found ourselves in situations and really moreover settings? And I'm thinking to the likes of a Grand Canyon or maybe Yosemite or Niagara Falls, where we are before natural beauty and just so taken by their presence. We're asking new questions about creation itself. All the more, my friends were those who were in the presence of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago asking new questions, which always, if those questions are genuine, leading to new vistas, new avenues, new doors to walk through and have us living a new life. This is the power of Jesus. My dear friends, when we share in the authority of Christ, we bring Christ's presence to people. And in that, we provoke new questions, which lead to new beginnings for those people around us. How many times have you out there experienced being the presence of another person, not 2,000 years ago, but today, and have found yourself out from those new questions, wanting to live out your faith more vibrantly, with greater conviction? The Gospel of Mark wants us to see the power of Jesus Christ, yes, but also how we share in this power and how we can also encourage people around us to ask new questions, which lead to new beginnings. Okay, speaking of questions, (laughs) there was another question that was asked in the gospel. Do you not care if we perish? Isn't that a contrast in just a few verses? Do we not care if we perish to who is this? My friends, the disciples cry for help and danger during the storm on the lake, I'm sure is something we all know about. The ship is in danger of sinking and Jesus is sleeping as if nothing is happening, huh? Even these fishermen from the lake of Gesenaret, skilled and experienced sailors, are seized with panic and fear. And Jesus seems to be unaware (laughs) and unconcerned. This situation is repeated in every possible shape and form. 
where God often seems not to be there in our life's storms. Whenever trouble and distress bring us to the verge of ruin, maybe for some of us, if not all of us, it is as if Christ were sleeping, as if he could neither hear nor see what is happening to us. Today's gospel is speaking to that situation in our lives. If we are asking that question, God, where are you today? This gospel today is for you because it's speaking to that situation. Maybe it makes us feel ashamed and at the same time consoled. It's fascinating. This lake is well known for its sudden uh, and violent storms. Um, uh, this would not have been the first boat to sink in one of them. In fact, uh, Cardinal Schoenborn uh, makes note that it was just a few years ago that a fishing boat uh, during the time of Jesus was discovered. Um, it is actually now the pride of the museum in a place called Kinnereth uh, Kibbutz. My friends, <laughs> the disciples know well enough what danger they are in. I've heard sailors talk about this lake, and they talk about how uh, these storms create these tidal waves that crash into each other. Uh, so a very unique setting and situation in this lake. Now, the fact that they lose their heads and panic completely must certainly make them ashamed afterward. For after all, think of it, my friends. Their master has talked so much about trusting God, about the fact that they can always be sure they are held safe in his hand. In their fright at the way the waves rose on the lake, it is as if all these uh, lovely, pious notions have been blown away. All that is left, all that is left is their bare anxiety to survive. Again, have we been there before? How many situations of the storm on the lake type there are in life? Whenever all that remains in a relationship is conflict, whenever our own economic position brings us close to disaster, whenever the ground is moving and shaking in our spiritual life, we ask the question, where is God? We ask the question, is he sleeping? We ask the question, has he forgotten about me? We should start asking the question, how does my faith help me now? Huh? Have I let him go to sleep when everything was going nicely? Did I forget the good Lord? Did I neglect my faith? Is it surprising if now that there is a sudden emergency, he is not awake to help me through the storm? My dear friends, like any attitude in life, faith has to be practiced in good times in order to be lively in bad if I do not make it my habit to thank God when I am fortunate, then in an emergency, I shall not have the confidence in God that can carry me through. That being said, the scene in the gospel is consoling. Even the apostles lose hold of their faith and trust in an hour of great distress, at least to start with. He makes the storm still. He restores their faith, and they ask themselves shamefacedly, when have we not trusted? You can be rest assured, my friends, next time they will remember this. <laughs> in our own situations, there will certainly be difficulties and distressing situations in the future too. God does not spare us these. 
Jesus is in the boat with me in life. Even when all seems lost, in light of faith, we say, he will stand up and help me. I am never lost with Jesus Christ, my Savior. I am never lost with the master in my boat. Let us remember what the word faith means. It comes from the Hebrew emunah, which means faithfulness or firm response, response of listening. In Romans 1, 5 and 16, 26, this is what Paul is translating. Remember Paul, once Saul of Tarsus, was Rabbi Gamaliel's prized pupil. He understood the Old Testament. And in so doing, he made a point to translate this most beautiful Hebrew vision of faithfulness in Romans 1, 5 and 16, 26 with, as he describes it, the obedience of faith, or as it's literally translated, the obedience that is faith or the obedience that springs from faith. Why is this important to us today? Well, let's think about this. The word obedience means ob adire, which literally translates to listen. Firm response, obedient response, adhering to the will of God. This is what faithfulness is all about. But it is also what prayer is all about. The word prayer comes from the Latin precari, which literally means to ask, to quest, to seek to understand. If we're going to ask, what must we do? But listen, prayer is caught up in the language of faith. And conversely, faith is caught up in the language of prayer. It's essential to this passage. Why? Well, if we are in conversation with God 24-7, 365, then we are thanking God at all times. And when we are in those distressing situations, we will ask God the question, what is the meaning of this moment? Not in that contemporary sense of doubting, but in God's life-giving grace in that mode of seeking understanding. Be rest assured, my friends, the tempest winds will come your way. But if we are in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, he will give us a deeper understanding of this. And off the top, I also spoke to the word peace. Let us remember, my friends, that peace itself is not the absence of a storm, but the calm in the storm. To say to the storm, peace, be still. We say to the stormy circumstances in our life, peace, be still. And we can because we are in covenant harmony with God. This is what the word peace, shalom, literally means. Covenant harmony with God. To be in covenant relationship with God. When the tempest winds are about and the storm is encircling us, what do we do? Well, we want to go to those who we are closest with. There's that wonderful scene from the movie Sound of Music, huh? Where there's the thunder clapping, the storm outside, and Maria Von Trapp, her first night there, <laughs> the kids who are already feeling comfortable with her run to her room, huh? all of them. Why? Because with her, they feel safe. As long as uh, they're in the presence of Maria Von Trapp, they're okay. But dear friends, when the thunder claps, we should be rest assured if we are in the presence of God, we are okay. 
But without faith, without a life of prayer, what are we to do but succumb to our fears, succumb to the, the tempest winds of maybe the relationships we might find ourselves in, whatever it might be. Faith forms and informs how to better understand all of those moments in your life. I was in a conversation with someone a few weeks ago. They are in a dire situation economically, and I was struck by his calm, his peace. He's a man of faith, and he simply said, God will provide. (laughs) I could not help but think, of course, of Christ's sermon on trust there in his Sermon on the Mount, where he says time and time again, do not worry, do not be anxious, but rest in me. When we are in a living relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the place where we find peace. Now, there's that great passage that comes to us from Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. From that day, Paul tells us he even began to glory in his weakness, persecutions, and anxieties, to the point of being able to say what? When I am weak, then I am strong. Why does God allow these stormy circumstances in our life? Why does God allow the rise of the tempest wind? that we might realize we cannot do it without Him. This becomes what one has called a severe mercy, where we are brought to our knees for a reason, because in the end, God is working out salvation in our life each and every day. Be rest assured, what happened on the cross, He ransomed man from sin. But he works out salvation in our lives, in our hearts, each and every day. As we navigate the stormy seas, as we navigate the stormy waters, that we might go deeper and deeper and deeper into his very heart that is life-giving. My dear friends, there is always something we need to work on. What did he say? Be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect. We are never going to attain perfection on this side of the heavenly Jerusalem. Therefore, conversion is constant. This is why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, what? Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You see, if we are praying without ceasing, if we are in constant conversation with God, what should we discover but that peace of God? And without Him, without Him, we can do nothing. Let us learn from the wisdom of Paul when he reminds us that it is in our weaknesses, that it is in our being persecuted, that we truly discover the beauty and the wonder of God. And we proclaim with Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and following, when I am weak, then I am strong, mindful that his grace is sufficient for us. How about St. Peter? St. Peter exhorts the early Christians to trust in God in persecutions, saying what in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares about you. My dear friends, the lack of faith of the disciples that Jesus reproached on that occasion, 
on that lake was due to the fact that they doubted that he was concerned about their lives and safety. Do you not care if we perish? He cares. He's concerned more than any of us combined could ever be concerned or care about anything or anyone. Because God's love is infinitely perfect. We can never exhaust it. Remember the word mystery in the Greek mysterium, the inexhaustible reality of God. We can never exhaust God's love. We can never exhaust God's care. The question is, how do we approach God? How do we seek to understand God? Do we thank God in those moments when so many people don't thank God or are not aware of God? Do we show gratitude? Huh? Let us start asking the question, who is this that even nature is obedient to him? There is a frequently cited antidote. It's one of my favorites. It speaks of a man who had a dream. He saw two pairs of footprints that had been imprinted in the desert sand and understood that one pair of footprints was his and the other pair was that of Jesus who was walking by his side. At a certain moment, one pair of footprints disappeared and he understood that this happened exactly at a difficult moment of his life. Then he complained to Christ who left him alone in the moment of trial and then he heard the words, but I was with you. Then the man says, how is it possible that you were with me when there was only one pair of footprints in the sand? They were mine, Jesus replied. In those moments, I carried you on my shoulders. My dear friends, let us remember this. When we feel the temptation to complain to the Lord that he leaves us alone, our Lord desires to pick us up and to carry us we just have to allow him to do so. Huh? I think of my kids when they're throwing temper tantrums. The last thing they want me to do as their father is pick them up. They resist it. They kick at me. They want to run to their room and even throw more temper tantrums. Is this not what we do in our faith? Huh? <laughs> do we not throw spiritual temper tantrums? We kick and we scream. We need to allow God to pick us up. We need to allow God to carry us. When he says, my grace is sufficient for you, what he's saying is that my strength can carry you through this moment. I give to you this gift that I call grace, which is the essence of my very love. Take it, receive it, and cooperate by allowing me to carry you in these most difficult moments. Okay, as we talk about these kinds of things, it is so important to have a deeper understanding of the meaning of faith. We've talked about it already within the context of prayer. We've touched upon that word trust, but I want to engage that a little further uh, before we run out of time here. When you look at faith, we must remember that it is first and foremost a gift given to us from God in baptism. This is nothing that we can acquire on our own, so to speak. Now, its second characteristic is that it is an act, and as an act, it is about trust. Trust is the most concrete act and virtue of faith, okay? Why do I highlight this? Well, 
without trust, we cannot have that deeper sense of what our faith life is all about. And there is a story uh, that is close to my heart that I would like to close with. It is a story that uh, takes me back to my early days in the East Bay uh, in San Ramon. We grew up about two blocks away from this Olympic-sized swimming pool. You know, growing up as one of 11 kids, I am often asked, what was it like to be raised in a family of 11? I replaced the word raised with survived. (laughs) And one of the ways we survived was, well, we went to the swimming pool uh, during those hot summer days. And uh, at a young age, I got to be pretty good at at what I could do, you know, in the swimming and the diving and, and whatnot. And on one particular day, two of my older brothers were watching me going off the low dive, you know, I was doing my thing there, flips, dives, twists, turns, all the rest. And uh, they challenged me to go up to the high dive. Now, the high dive is much higher than the low dive, obviously. And as a six-year-old, I wasn't really ready to do that. Yet, the lifeguard allowed me to go up there and, and take a leap. So I went up the steps and I walked out to the end of the diving board, kind of looked out at this Olympic-sized swimming pool and wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted nothing to do with it. So uh, to my brother's chagrin and disappointment, I went down the high dive and went back home. And that night, I did not sleep. I mean, I remember to this day not sleeping because, well, uh, for those of you out there who have older brothers, and you understand uh, what I mean to say when I say you live to uh, impress your older brothers. Well, I live to impress my older brothers, and I disappointed them that day. So the next day comes around. I'm, I'm first in line. I walk, sprint, if you will, to the high dive. I go up the steps, and ready to take the leap, ready to take the jump, I get to the edge of the board, and once again, the fear consumed me. It overwhelmed me. And I once again turned back around and started to go down the steps of the high dive. And it was then that I heard a voice. It was my father. He was at uh, the base of the swimming pool. He was in the water and he said, well, jump. And (laughs) wouldn't you know, I turned back around and I sprinted off the high dive and I did this kind of two and a half twisting belly flop kind of thing. But it was all good because my father was there to catch me. I took the jump. And what was it in that moment when my father said jump that I turned and actually ran off the high dive to take that leap, to do those flips? Well, it was because there was something in place, that relationship. I was willing to take the jump because I had this active relationship with my dad. I trusted him. My dear friends, our Lord calls us to cast into the deep. Our Lord calls us to take the jump. Our Lord calls us to not live in this entrapment of fear, but to cry, Abba, Father. And in doing so, realize that in that invocation of Abba, Father, we Take the first step out from the gift and into the act, which is establishing that deeper sense of what relationship is all about. Trust. All right. 
Let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.